Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I've got Alicia Cook on the series of Fierce and she's an established writer and an award-winning activist from New Jersey. Her best-selling book of poetry titled Stuff I've Been Feeling Lately was a finalist in the 2016 Goodreads Choice Awards and her follow-up book I Hope My Voice Doesn't Skip was released last summer of 2018. She's also released a surprise collection of poetry in Jan 2019 which is titled Anomaly, a concept album. Uh, She's also a speaker and a big advocate for families affected by addiction and people battling mental health issues. Um, And she's just incredible, actually. She's somebody I've followed for a long time. She has a very strong voice and she definitely uses her social media to to reach people and she does reach so many people in a positive way and that's why I knew I wanted to have her on this show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Alicia to the show. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for being on Unplug with Annie and joining us as a guest. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Um, Just to begin then, if you could tell us a little bit about your, your journey as a writer and who you were inspired by, if anyone, and what inspired you to write to begin with. Sure. My name is Alicia Cook. Um, I have been writing for as long as I can remember. I think uh, the first time I was published, I think I was in the third grade, so I was eight or nine. Um, Writing was always a natural way for me to work things out, whether I was writing in a diary or just writing letters to my parents or things like that. It was always a way for me to work out what might have been going on internally. Um, And what inspired me throughout the years were, you know, a couple English professors I've had throughout the years, of course, they acted as mentors. I was, uh, I was able to study English literature and writing, and that was wonderful. But one of my biggest inspirations um, are songwriters, funny enough. Um, yes, they're musicians. Yes, they're talented in other aspects. But at the end of the day, um, really strong songwriters. I don't think there's any difference between them and a poet. Mm-hmm. And I always loved that, the, the attention they gave to rhyme and meter and, you know, finding ways to bend words certain ways or make words mean more than one thing. Um, we're working with a finite number of letters, you know, so it's just always inspiring for me to see how people stretch boundaries artistically. Um, and then writing-wise, I love Sylvia Plath, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Jody Picoult. Alice Siebold, who wrote The Lovely Bones. That was one of the first books I read that really touched me and really influenced me to start putting my writing out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And you, you do talk a lot through your writing about um, you being an activist as well. Uh, you speak a lot about emotions and, and somewhere I feel like it ties really nicely into into mental health which is a conversation that a lot of people are having um, but in some cultures and society it's sort of considered I don't want to use the word taboo but people are not so much um, open about it or are able to converse about it and and you know talk about their emotions and um, I just wanted to know uh, in terms of what your opinion would be in, in as into how we can tap into um, being more aware of what's happening to us individually and, and being able to to speak about it. That's a that's a great topic to talk about because whether you want to use the word or not, you're absolutely right. Um, in a lot of cultures, 
um, and a lot of societies, uh, it's taboo to talk about something not going well internally, something that you can't pinpoint or see visibly. It almost seems like they're making it up or making excuses for um, their behavior when in fact there, there are, you know, slight malfunctions in their brain. Um, some cultures, especially uh, for their men in their in their society, they they you know men can't have mental health issues. They need to be strong and dominant, mm -hmm. and um, and then they you know they hide away and they suffer and struggle in silence, which only perpetuates the problem. Uh, and then you know, God forbid, it, it leads to dire decisions because they feel like no one understands or no one will understand, and they just feel so broken almost i don't like using that word but i know there's been times in my life where i've definitely felt broken and even as a writer i had trouble articulating that or being brave enough to come forward um and say you know this is the stuff i'm dealing with even though my life looks like this my mind doesn't yeah. um so a good way to start those conversations is first and foremost with yourself because i feel like self-denial is a big thing with um all the mental health discussions going on, um, almost like imposter syndrome. Like I can't have anxiety because my life on the outside is, is going great. And I, and I, you know, speaking personally, I worked my whole life to get where I am today. Mm -hmm. So who am I to say, I'm still not feeling well. They're not one in the same. And, uh, that took me a long time to really realize. And then I think back as, as far back as when I was a kid and, um, I would just be really low some days, uh, you know, not wanting to get out of bed, being very, what well, my parents just always called me lazy. But um, I always think back and wonder like, yeah, I'm sure I even joke now that I'm lazy, but was it something more than that? Was it an imbalance? Was it something I was trying to, to work through and didn't even realize? Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is to be honest with yourself. And then even if your community or your society or whatever you want to call it, aren't as accepting to what you want to say or what you need to say, um, you could find a community that is, especially with the internet today, you could find mental health communities, you could find someone that looks, feels, sounds nearly identical to you, where you could see yourselves in them um, and you could reach out to them. And, and I've learned that communities like that exist and um, they're there to help you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, the online communities, like you said, that's a great place to go. And, and now we have so much access, I guess, you know, to, to getting help and reaching out and not necessarily having to meet in person. And at the same time, I feel like social media has become, it's always either, it, it, it's, I think people fall either way, either they're like positive about it or either they're just really negative about it. But um, so there's this whole thing about, you know, comparison, not leading to contentment and social media encouraging comparison. So how do we how do we avoid comparing ourselves um, when when everything just looks so perfect on social media? And of course, we are posting like our highlight reels, but um, it's difficult to remember that when we're actually consuming content. Right. It's hard to remember that when you're having, you know, a good day just consuming content. But when you are having um, a really low day, if you're dealing with a bout of depression or even just general sadness, um, those comparisons are, are heightened. Your brain, it could be your enemy with that. Um, I am so glad that I grew up uh, during the most like impressionable years of my life. I'm glad I grew up without the internet or without direct 24 seven access 
to everyone in the world. I grew up um, without that. And I am so thankful I did. I, I don't know how kids are being kids these days. I think that childhoods are getting shortened and shortened and shortened and it has nothing to do with um, school or parenting. I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that they're growing up faster because they have the world in their pocket, pocket and access to everything just in their pocket by the time they're 10 or 11 years old, sometimes younger. Um, so for anyone in that age group where they're you know younger and they really think that the highlight reel is this person, this individual's entire life. I just feel like it's important to stress the fact that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people they follow have professional photographers and makeup artists and Photoshop and nothing is authentic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, at the same time, there are authentic accounts out there that they can follow that will empower them and will be a voice for them to understand that um, the internet, even when you are authentic, isn't your total reality. Yeah, of course. And if I was, uh, even me, I try to have an authentic account. I, I don't filter my photos, but I let people know that, you know, this is a professional photo or I had my makeup done this day. Um, just because I want to make sure I'm not adding fuel to the fire and I want to make sure I'm practicing what I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, I mean, I just am so fortunate that, that I grew up in a world where we had to go online and we only had a limited amount of time online and it was moderated and it was on a family computer it was just a totally different experience so I even sometimes feel like I can't talk on this topic because I don't know how people are doing how how they're doing this at a young yeah. age anymore. and I don't know how you know I used to be able to leave school even if I had a terrible day at school mm. and I used to, be able to just leave school and not have to deal with it until the next day but now you know the whole concept of cyberbullying exists and it's just so sad and scary Mm -hmm. but like everything there's good and evil and, and there are good safe spaces on the internet um yeah i wouldn't have a writing career without it i wouldn't have become popular or as popular as i became without it so i don't like to just bash it but i i sometimes think there's more harm than good and i think finally people are speaking out about that about the fact that you know my life isn't a highlight reel i photoshopped this i did that or yeah. um i just push back now which is good to see yeah, and I, I think it, it's I think it's a really good thing that they're they're talking about removing the likes and all of that as well, um, for sure. Now you 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 also like through your writing you talk about a lot of personal experiences in your poetry as well, and I feel like your posts also really challenge uh, us to think about you know what's socially acceptable versus you know being vulnerable and 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 reaching out when you need help. Um, what, was there a, a moment in your life specifically which you can talk about and share that you were going through some kind of adversity and, and what, was it, was it your poetry? Was that like therapy for you, enabling you to, to reach out and, and create this community where you realize you're not alone or how, what, what was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel for you? Um, actually, yeah, there was uh, a few very difficult years that we, and when I say we, I mean my, my family, we're de dealing with uh, living in survival mode, living in immediacy every single day for roughly two, three years. I mean, I can't even remember. A, a lot of that is even, um, I don't have memory from, from that time. That's how traumatic a lot of that was. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know that while you're going through it. In, when you're living in survival mode, you're literally, I mean, the name, the, the title's in it. You're 
just living day to day. You just want to make it to the next moment. And um, so I didn't unpack anything I was going through at that time, um, around the time I was turning 30. So later in life, you know, I know there's a lot of younger people out there dealing with a lot of bad things early on in their life. Um, so when finally, I want to say the dust settled and we made it out and there was that light at the end of the tunnel, that light didn't, wasn't, you know, a beacon of light. It was almost, you know, a train. People use that, you know, that analogy sometimes. Mm. And the train that hit me was everything I didn't have time to work out or unpack internally while my family was going through that. So I was in pain for a couple of years. And then I, on paper, I should have been fine because everything ended up working out as best as it could. But that's when everything came down on me and I realized, oh my God, like how did we even make it out of that? Um, my, you know, I had my first panic attack during that time. I didn't even give have time to think about what that meant. Um, so I, yeah, to, to answer your question, I began writing my book, which is now became my most popular. It's called Stuff I've Been Feeling Lately during that time. And I did write that to instill hope in myself and to manifest what I was hoping to become after I made it through what I was going through. So absolutely poetry. I always say that that book saved my life because if I didn't have a project or something to focus on, I don't know what I would have done. Um, And then in the last couple of years, I've been really working on the fact that now I have, you know, I'm triggered by things. Um, I, I don't really love that word. I think it's overused and but I, I do have anxiety that is brought on by certain things, um, you know, bouts of depression, and it's all connected to those moments a couple years ago. Um, so if I was going through it as a 30 something year old, I knew others were, and I, and I knew I already had a platform. I was already talking about how drug addiction affects families. Um, so I thought that this was the natural next step to, to put myself out there even further to help others mm. and to, my, to help myself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I really like the fact that you have mentioned triggers, even though it's not a great word. Um, but is it how important is it to to, to kind of be aware and, and understand what those are for you? Because I think um, somewhere you're you're able to create boundaries only when you're aware of what triggers you. Um, otherwise, you sort of go it's sort of a vicious circle of it happening again and again and again to you. Right. No one wants to willingly walk into pain. And, and that's what I had to learn. Um, even as an adult, I had to learn that, you know, to set up boundaries, to realize, even if it's something as in my mind, and this is my, I'm not knocking anyone else, but for a while, like a certain time of year mm-hmm. would really mess with me even if it used to be my favorite time of year. And then all of a sudden, you know, the smell in the air would remind me of something and I would want to, you know, cry. Um, so I, I think it's very important to recognize that. I think that I, I wouldn't have been able to recognize it on my, on my own. I'm not a medical mental health professional. So I did seek counseling and therapy and um, that, that was priceless to me because it really helped me work out what was going on because I am a strong person. I am a resilient person. So is my family. But then when finally everything did calm down, I, I almost imploded. And it was because I was finally able to run through what had happened the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It was almost like my reactions were delayed because I was so co- concentrated on just getting through one day to the next. Yeah. And, and 
and and you of course in your writing in in your social media posts i feel like you being through what you've been through as well like you're you're such a great representation of of learning things in your own life and then you know trying to apply it and and uh enable other people to understand it better and you advocate kindness um and how action matters um and and i think it is important to look at the people around you and you know the relationships that you're having but when 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 you might know someone who's going through something and not exactly um understand what they're going through um how do you think we can we, we can become more aware of if, if there is something going on with someone and how can we potentially help because um i think a lot of the times it, it's like that question you ask people how are you all the time and everyone just has that generic answer that i'm good i'm fine but we don't really talk about how we're actually feeling um, and how can we, and if you, if you have any advice on that as to how we can get people to, to feel like they can trust us with their emotions. Um, well, first, thank you for your kind words about my writing. I appreciate that. Um, I definitely think that no one is immune, especially, uh, these days for whatever reason, whether it's, whether it is our nonstop connection to social media and the internet and, and just that nonstop information, you know, overload, um, you know, or just the fact that it's 2019 and, and everyone just seems to be dealing with things, um, whether they're just always have, and they never talked about it, but now, you know, they have these platforms. For, so they're talking about it. But anyway, I don't think that anyone is immune to going through even just a stretch of a mental health uh, issue one in I think four or five adults this year will experience something like that, uh, whether it's brought on by an event or, or what. Um, so no one's immune. So I think that at this point, if you know what you start doing when you start to slide um, and need help, you eventually you begin to recognize that in other people. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about empathy and kindness because you never know what other people are going through. And I write about that, you know, a few weeks ago, well, a few months ago in July, I was in the mall with uh, my sister, her kid, and they were buying clothes for a funeral for um, our, my sister's brother-in-law who overdosed and died. And it was just a, a reminder that, you know, we're in a mall surrounded by hundreds of other people and we're walking around with this heaviness and, and no one knows. And, and, you know, so I always try to practice empathy and kindness because if you're going through it, likely someone else is um, even worse sometimes. So I think that, yeah, I mean, as, as overused as the, how are you question is and everyone, including myself, sometimes that just wants to move the conversation or the day along will say fine. Or the best thing is half the time I say busy, busy isn't how I am. It's what I am. And I <laughs> yeah. do that all the time. Um, but I found out or discovered at least through my experience that if you ask again, sometimes there's a break, um, a breakthrough. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, but it's the way they say it. And then their eyes might even like get bigger or they'll have an actual reaction to what you're saying because you're pressing yeah. in a kind of way. You say, are you sure? And then even if they say, yeah, and, and you know, they're not just extending that olive branch of being like, well, if you're not, mm. you, know, you could reach out to me. It's not a burden. I understand. Mm. And just reaching out again, um, 
is sometimes all you need to do to really break through, especially if you're close to that person already. Um, I've seen people, you know, crying on trains that I don't know, or in elevators. And I just say, are you okay? And even through tears, sometimes they say yes. And it's, you're not, um, I understand I'm a stranger, but it's, it just helps people feel less alone. And, um, yeah. even if you know someone that you love or care about is, is going through something, just be there for them. Um, don't offer advice, say you understand, be an ear. No one wants to hear advice. No one wants, I mean, I don't when I'm going through something. Yeah. So um, everyone just, just needs to be there more for one another. Yeah, of course. And I think sometimes it's hard as, as a woman then. There's, there's another conversation which like I, I find myself having a lot. It's just that I feel like as a woman, particularly somebody ambitious, you, you feel like there's a lot of other boxes that you, you need to tick. Um, as you're growing up or of course it depends on your your core beliefs and your values and, and everything else but um, you know there's always that conversation of like when when are you maybe getting married and hitting a milestone and having then having kids and all of these things and and you might not want that life or you might want both you might want the you know the the career and the family and it's just difficult to have a balance and I don't even know if that balance exists um, but what is your is your take on that? Do you believe that you can have both? I do. I mean, I, I you know, I had the wedding. I had the, I had everything. You know, and it's it's completely about manageable. I mean, I do it every day. I manage a full time job and and my writing and and if you want it, you could have it. You just need to prioritize. I, I'm noticing that like prioritization um, gets lost and people want to just hustle, hustle, hustle. But sometimes you got to work smarter, not harder, that whole saying. And I, and I learned that prioritizing, even if it's just keeping a to-do list is the most important thing. Um, you know, I'll work, 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 but then realize like, wow, it's been a while since we had a date night. Like I need to, yeah. we need to do that. And uh, so it's just about balancing and prioritizing life. But I absolutely think that you know, if men can have both, why, why can't we? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think for, I think we have, you know, more in our corner and, and I think sometimes we're more in tune with things and I, and I absolutely don't think that there should be that double standard. Um, the fact that it still exists and we're, you know, that's a whole other conversation. We could have another <laughs> time, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I have both. That's what I tell people because this does come up a lot in panels and things like that, you know, work-life balance. And it's, I have both. I have, I'm very close to my family. I have nephews. I, I never miss, if I could help it, a birthday or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm there, um, you know, and uh, I'm happy in my uh, relationship. So I don't know. I, I, I hate that that question still comes up and that yeah. it's this. Uh, I'm also, you know, I... I am a workaholic, so you need to be self-aware. And I know that when people want to know how I balance everything, I tell them, I, I'll let you know when I figure it out. You know, the <laughs> biggest thing that I suffer, that the biggest thing that suffers in my life isn't my, you know, relationship or my family or my job. It's, it's me, ironically enough. I suffer the most because I want to be everywhere and do everything. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't sleep much. And that's my biggest my biggest thing right now is, is not sleeping well or much. And it's just something that it's an odd trade-off that I'm trying to openly work through. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I like the point that you said about priority. I think that is right. And I think you, you, you have a different priority um, on each timeline that you have in your life somewhat. But is, it, so is there something, I know you've mentioned the sleep is, is the, the space which is lacking at the moment. Is there something that you do sort of religiously every day, though, for your own peace of mind, your own sanity, kind of like it's, it's your time? Yes, even if it's just driving in between things, uh, music is one of the most important things. It helps me decompress. It helps me write. It inspires me. Um, I love music, and um, that's just something I always do. I always make sure I have music on, or if, if there's a new record out or something, I make sure I take time to myself in my car, because I have to listen to new music in cars first. Um, mm. That that I do that because that makes me feel good and excited and, and happy. Yeah. And iced coffee. <laughs> oh, coffee. Iced coffee. coffee every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, what can we look forward to in terms of what do you have coming up that we can look forward to? Are there new books in the works? Um, what, what can we look forward to from you? Um, so I, I like to think that there's a lot that if people care, um, <laughs> I do in October, October 1st, I am part of this po poetry anthology book that's coming out that will be available in most bookstores and online. Um, I'm one of 10 poets. And if you know me as a poet, you, uh, you likely know at least three or four of the other poets that are in the book. Um, Tyler Knott is one of them. He actually, okay. he's like the godfather of Instagram poetry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of other big names are in that book. And I'm really excited for that. I have three poems and a short story in it. Oh, great. And, and then um, I'm just going to keep writing about mental health and, you know, how it affects. A lot of people think like you only could write about it. Like this, I'm right, this poem's on anxiety. And it's, it's not always that because that's, it's woven throughout every aspect of our lives. It's not something in a pocket. Mm. You know, if I, if I'm on a date or in a meeting or, or anything like that, it's, it's there. It's in my relationship. It's, it's something we've had to talk about and work through. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I still will write the love poetry or relationship poetry, um, but it's woven in there that, you know, I'm not always the easiest to work out or understand. Um, so I'm going to continue writing about all that. And I'm hoping to have a, a full-length poetry collection about all of that out um, in 2020. Okay, amazing. Well, all the best for that. Um, and, and last but not least, as we wind down, uh, something I'm asking every guest on the series, because I don't think we think about it every day, and we should, is one thing that you love about yourself. Hmm. <laughs> um... I love that I am who I am, no matter where I am. I am always myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be, you know, heightened or lowered depending on where I am, but I'm never um, a totally different version. I'm never fake. I'm never pretending to be something I'm not. I'm, I'm always who I am. And I think that's, a, my parents are a big reason for that. They always raised me to treat everyone with respect and, and just always respect myself enough to to feel confident in being myself no matter who was in the room okay 
Amazing. That's a great, that's a great quality. Well, thank you so much for being part of this and being on the show and taking time out. Thank you. What, what do you love about yourself? Oh God, <laughs> you put me on the spot. No. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, um, I think I genuinely enjoy connecting with people and I love the fact that I can do that. Um, I like to think that, um, and, um, and, and yeah, like you said, I can relate to like not being fake. I just try not to put myself into situations where I feel like I'm having to put on some kind of mask. I try and like avoid those situations completely. So I think, yeah, try, you know, just trying to be as authentic as possible is something that I really like when I'm able to do that. And, and when I'm not, I'm just kind of like, okay, I need to exit the situation. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, thank you. And I, I will definitely keep you posted and tag you when this goes up. And obviously, if people have questions for you, they can directly reach out. Um, yes. But it's been a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series of Fierce next week where I'm talking to another amazing woman and I can't wait for you guys to hear the whole series, so do stay tuned. For everything Unplug related, do follow the IG and Facebook page at the rate Unplug with Annie. You can also go to the website www.unplugwithannie.com and subscribe to the newsletter so you're constantly updated with what's going on on the blog as well as the podcast. Until next week.